Hi guys. Welcome. Hi. Welcome to your Friday. You are listening to Crooked News where we bring you crazy news, hilarious history, and the occasional listener story. You're going to be so mad at me because you're going to have to cut this out because my Chrome just decided to stop responding. Well, that's great. Yeah. So happy. I'm really excited about it. Do you want me to go first this week instead? Yeah. Yeah, you go ahead. Okay, cool. So um, I decided to go super dark, which is so much fun. And as <laughs> you guys know, that history is like my jam. So um, <laughs> let me find it. I can't find my cursor. There it is. Okay. You guys, this is the second Crooked News we've recorded in one night. And we haven't done that in a really long time. Carrie. And I'm really drunk. What? We're going to have to talk whatever it is that's been trying to get our attention. Let's, Let's not, not talk about that right now. And we'll, you're going to talk about this other thing. Okay. Because okay? you're going to scare me because I'm really drunk. I'm sorry. It, I just think that that's part of the reason my computer's fucking up as much as it is. Because it's not, a brand new computer. It's not great. No. Let's not do that. Okay, so we're going <laughs> to talk about tonight, we're going to talk about Walter Jackson Freeman II. Okay, who's that? Okay. Tell me all about him. You're going to hate him. Oh, great. You're so excited. I am. Okay, so. <laughs> all right. Despite his grim legacy today. Uh-oh. Freeman became came from a family long respected for its work in the healing profession. By the way, I got this article from Mental Floss uh, because long live Mental Floss and long live the queens. Yes, it's written by someone named Al Redenor, and it was published in September of twenty seventh, two thousand seventeen. And I'm not gonna reveal the the. Uh, the title yet okay because i like mystery <laughs> mystery mystery geography yes all right so despite his grim legacy today freeman came from a family long respected for its work in the healing profession okay sorry to back to back the uh medical weirdness but it is what it is <laughs> that's what we're all about here just happened so I, can't, I didn't have control. So um, his father was a noted otolaryncologist. What is that? I have no fucking clue. <laughs> Beautiful accent. Yep. I don't even know that that's the correct way to say that word. <laughs> Ot- otolaryn... Otolaryn... Ophthalmologist. Uh, no, it's not he looked an ophthalmologist. At eyes. No, <laughs> it's not that. Ot- a tolerant, a toler, a to- otolaryngologist. Okay. I think. Laryngologist. Sure. And <laughs> his maternal grandfather was a, civ- was a Civil War surgeon who went on to treat six U.S. Pre- presidents, including then-future President Franklin Roosevelt in the early years of his paralysis from Really? Polio. Yeah. FDR. FDR. All right. FDR. FDR. Bring it back. Boom. All right. Freeman's academic career was promising, too. Graduating from Yale in 
1916, he enrolled in the University of Pennsylvania to study medicine, in um, earning his degree and completing his internship bef- there, there at University of Pennsylvania, uh, before traveling to Europe to study neurology. Okay. Upon return, he took a position as as laboratories director at St. Elizabeth Hospital. Uh, <laughs> sorry, you guys, you can't hear it. My dog is squeaking a toy right outside the door, and it's adorable. <laughs> um, he really wants us to play with him. I okay, uh, this was a prominent Washington, D.C. psychiatric facility. Hmm. This is something that's going to prey on our deepest fears. Just to let you know. So, Freeman, who was deeply affected by the troubling conditions he we- he witnessed at St. Elizabeth. Before the appearance of Thorazine and other effective psychiatric drugs in the mid-1950s, mental hospitals were often massively overcrowded, and many patients were held for decades on end. Mm-hmm. We all know that. In Freeman's native Philadelphia, for instance, the state hospital was known to house roughly 75% more patients than its approved capacity. Oh, my God. That's almost 100% more. That almost is... twice as much. Oh, my God. Guys, imagine so being in, in one dorm room with six people. It's insane. It's yeah. truly insane, and it's one of my worst fears. Yeah. And most of the time, at this point in history, most people were committed for bullshit reasons. And this was before you couldn't commit someone against their will and all of that shit. Like, yeah. it's just... I mean, like, if you want to see the true horrors of it, go watch American Horror Story. So, um, Asylum is actually a really good season, I and fucking, I watch it every Christmas. I, I can't get through it. I can't watch it. It's the worst. I, I love the Christmas episode nope. so much. I really hate it. I really hate it. I, I really know. hate it. It's, I know. It's my deepest fear. Okay. It's literally that whole season is if they wrote down my worst nightmares and then made a season about it. Yep. That's what that is. And I mm-hmm. can't I can't take it. That's why I will not be watching AHS 1984. I love that one. 1984? Yeah. It's, it's a slasher themed season. Oh, I thought it would be like 1984 the novel. No, I wish. I wish. No, it's it's throwing it back to old slasher movies. Oh, that's sad. Yeah, I I can't handle slasher movies like that. I heard 1984, and I got really excited. I know. Good novel. I know. Really good novel. All right, everyone should read it at least once. It's really hard, but anyway. Okay, so um, fuck. I lost my place. Sorry. I'm sorry. I, I continued with the AHS thing and then threw us off. Okay, so Freeman was... De- I don't know if I've repeated myself or not, but anyway, so Freeman was deeply affected by the troubling conditions he witnessed at St. Elizabeth's. Uh, before the appearance of Thorazine and other effective, effective psychiatric drugs in the mid-1950s, mental hospitals were often massively overcrowded, blah, 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 75%. Mm-hmm. Here we go. Okay. Uh, in 1948, writer Albert Dürst, or Dutch, 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 I don't know, 
something German, maybe Dutch. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, described a visit to the hospital that reminded him, quote, of the pictures of Nazi concentration camps. Oh, my God. Unquote. Describing rooms, quote, swarming with naked humans herded like cattle and treated with less concern. Unquote. Yeah, it's real bad. It's oh, my God. Bad, and it's awful. And it's, again, my worst fucking nightmare. Yeah. Um, while, Aunt, while at St. Elizabeth's, Freeman came to dismiss the reigning psychoanalytic approach in which medical illnesses were seen as arising from the unconscious as particularly useless in institutional settings. So he was coming up against the therapy approach. Yeah. He was more the physical approach. Because that works. Let's beat it out of them. No, it's not a beating. Oh, no. He believed that mental disorders had a well-defined physical cause and that increasingly embraced the... And he increasingly embraced the idea of psychosurgery. Oh, no. Which is brain surgery as a means of psychological treatment. No. His research in the field led him to the work of Portuguese neurologist Igaz Moniz, who, in 1935, found some success relieving medical maladies with the lichotomy, a procedure in which neural connections were severed by coring out the tissues of prefrontal cortex. Yeah, because you made a person a zombie, you absolute fucking walnut. Are you seeing where we're going? Yeah, and I hate it. He was so impressed by this procedure that in 1944, he nominated Monez for the Nobel Prize, which is awarded to the Portuguese neurologist five years later. Fuck him. Fuck all of them. If, and uh, have you seen Shutter Island? No, I can't watch it. Oh, it, yeah, it's fucking intense. I can't watch it. And that's where I first heard of lobotomies. And, yeah. Speaking of. I, I knew it was where you were going. That's why I brought it up. And I hate every part of it. Yep, it's great. So, because Freeman's Still better than the teeth. Yeah, it's still better than the teeth. Out of die. Stop! <laughs> Because Freeman's background was that of a neurologist rather than a surgeon, he enlisted the help of a neurosurgeon named James Watts to modify Moniz's technique, which he renamed lobotomy. Mm-hmm. Here we go. And it gets so much worse, okay? The extent to which Freeman's modified Moniz's procedure, which the latter had continued to refine, Versus adopting it to wholesale is a matter of debate. Freeman and Watts would perform their first lobotomy in September 1936 on a Kansas housewife oh. named Alice Hood Hamat. Oh, poor girl. I know, it's really awful. The results were encouraging. Although she had previously been diagnosed with agitated depression, which I don't know what the fuck that is, 
maybe bipolar. I don't know. I'm trying to think what agitated depression would be. With and that like just agi- the word agitated makes me think manic, but I don't know. Let me. Are you looking it up? Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, she was prone to laughing and weeping hysterically, which makes me think manic again. Um, and she awoke from the operation with a quote placid expression. Um. Yeah, it's a it's a mixed affective state, formerly known as a mixed manic or mixed episode, has been defined as a state wherein features unique to both depression and mania, so probably bipolar. Yeah, uh, such as despair, fatigue, morbid or suicidal ideation, racing thoughts, pressure activity, and heightened like ir- irritability. Yeah, it sounds like bipolar to me. Yeah, yeah sure. bipolar comes up and yeah. hypothyroidism. Yeah, for sure. Schizoaffective. It's probably bipolar. Yeah. Um, poor baby. Yeah. Um, according to her doctors, and it was a soon, so placid expression. She awoke from this with a, quote, placid expression, according to her doctors, and was soon unable to remember what made her so upset. Oh. Her husband, who later wrote to Freeman to thank him, Oh, my God. Called his wife's post-surgery years the happiest of her life. I hate him. Somehow I don't agree. Yeah, Um, no. Okay, so in 1942, Freeman and Watts had performed the surgery on over 200 patients. Oh, my God. Reporting improvement in 63% of them. That's not a great stat. No. And the practice had been taken up by other surgeons. Oh, God. Freeman reportedly felt that the lobotomy was, quote, only a little more dangerous than an operation to remove an infected tooth. Unquote. Can we murder this man? He's already dead. It's been so many years. He's 100% dead, but I agree. Well... Uh, let's, let's dig him up and kill him again. <laughs> <laughs> right? That was already a thing. Uh, but he still hoped for a procedure that could be more readily effective to the thousands of patients languishing in mental hospitals. One that would be faster, more effective, and require fewer researches, fewer resources and specialized tools. Um, after learning of an Italian doctor who used the eye socket... To access the brain, Freeman developed his transorbital lobotomy. This, quote, improved technique involved an instrument that slid neatly between a patient's eyeball and the bony orbit housing, the bony orbit housing it in the skull. Uh, the pick, pick, here we go. No, no, pick, no, as an ice pick. No, lobotomy. No. The pick no. was then hammered through the bone and wiggled about with the goal of severing no neural fibers connecting the frontal lobes and the thalamus. The process was then repeated through the opposite eye. No. Sometimes called the ice pick lobotomy. I'm really surprised that didn't kill people. Oh, I know, right? Me too. And I mean... He's coming from a good place. It gets so much worse. He's coming from a good place. We have to keep reminding ourselves of that. But holy shit, he's an idiot. Yeah, it's real bad. It gets so much worse. All right. 
Early surgeries actually use an ice pick from Freeman's kitchen. No. Why did no. he have an ice pick in his kitchen? That's what I would like to know. Are you, like, making ice sculptures? What the fuck? Okay. So, um, <laughs> Become the ice sculpture. For real. Be the sculpture. Be the ice. Be graceful. All right. While the prefrontal lobotomy required over an hour of the surgeon's time, this new procedure could be completed in 10 minutes. No drilling into the skull or dressing of post-surgery wounds was required. Freeman hoped that institutional psychiatrists untrained in surgery would one day be able to perform the procedure. So, I mean, like, let's be real. He's hoping that it can be something that can be approachable yeah. for everyone. And so he's hoping to, like, help create change. He's However, just going about it in a very bad way. The wrong way, yes. So, like the prefrontal lobotomy, early surgery seemed to be a success. It seemed to be a success. Oh. Uh, the operation was first performed in 1946 on a housewife named Sally Ellen Ionesco. Oh, poor Sally. Angeline Forrester, her daughter, remembers her mother as, quote, absolutely violently suicidal, unquote, before the surgery. After Freeman's hammering and probing, it stopped immediately. It was just peace. Under the slogan, Lobotomy Gets Them Home... Freeman began touring the country, no. promoting his startling new ideas. His crusade was aided by his cocky, larger-than-life persona. Apparently, he was a big salesman. Um, Watts later recalled to the Washington Post that when lecturing, Freeman said Freeman was, quote, almost a ham actor, which isn't great. That means, like, seeking attention. We know what a ham is, right? Yeah. Um, so entertaining that, quote, people would bring their dates to the clinic to hear event- to hear him lecture. Freeman's fanatic advocacy of the lobotomy, however, eventually became too much for Watts, leading to a parting of the ways in 1950. Good. Quote, Any procedure involving the cutting of the brain tissue is a major operation and should remain in the hands of a neurological surgeon. Yes. Watts later wrote, he explained to the Post, quote, I just didn't think somebody could spend a week with us and go home and do lobotomies. Yeah, no. No. Medical school is not a slap on the ass. It's not. It's not a handshake in the slap on the ass. Everything Freeman did was geared toward economy, speed, and publicity. In 1952, he performed 228 lobotomies in a two-week period for state hospitals in West Virginia. Charging a mere $25 per operation. And that was still a fucking lot. That was so fucking much in 1950s. It's crazy. He worked without a surgical mask or gloves. Oh, oh. During marathon surgery sessions, he would often talk to journalists he'd invited, he'd invited in to promote his crusade, occasionally showboating with a two-handed technique, hammering picks into both eye sockets simultaneously. No. Like it's a showman thing. Oh, my God. You're not the greatest showman. 
It's not a circus. You're performing fucking surgery. Yeah. In 1951, one patient in an Iowa hospital, Iowa uh, <laughs> hospital, died during the procedure when Freeman allowed himself to be distracted by a photo op for the press. Yeah, he's a piece of shit. Yeah, I take back everything about him being coming coming from a good place. He was not. No, he wasn't. He was trying to get recognition. Yeah, and money. Freeman... It probably started that way. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Like, it probably yeah. started from a good place, but it, it turned into the fame obsession that we're yeah. all very familiar with. So, um, yep. sorry. Need water. No, it's okay. Don't apologize for needing water. We're human. All right. Freeman advocated the transorbital lobotomy for a broad spectrum spectrum of patients, including children as young as seven. Oh, no. But with the reduction of unwanted symptoms could come a tragic deadening of all emotion. That's the problem with these things. Yeah. We've all heard about lobotomies and ice pick lobotomies and how it turns you into a fucking vegetable. So, yes, there's just peace, meaning she just sits there. Mm -hmm. A shocking number of those who received the procedure were left utterly debilitated and unable to care for themselves. Yeah. This had been true of the prefrontal lobotomy, too. Notably debilitated patients included Rosemary Kennedy, sister of the late president. Oh, my God. As well as Rose Williams, sister of playwright Tennessee Williams. If we've all seen or read The Glass Menagerie, we know who that's about. Yeah. Glass Menagerie is one of my favorite plays. Um, Of the approximately 3,500 lobotomies Friedman performed himself... 490 resulted in fatalities. Jesus Christ, Listen that's too high. to your fucking stats, y'all. Yep. All right. In 1967, this is so soon, you guys. Mm-hmm. This is so soon. So Af- recent. After a patient succumbed to a cerebral hemorrhage during surgery, Freeman decided to stop performing lobo- lobo- lobotomies. Oh, that's when you stopped? That's when he stopped. Um, But... He did not give up his advocacy, taking to the road in a camper van, which later writers dubbed the Lobotomobile. It's an ice cream truck for lobotomies, you guys. Hate it. To visit former patients and document his successes. Although popular myth has Freeman performing the surgeries from his van, that was never the case. Thank the fucking Lord. Oh, God. Um, But... By then, the medical community had little use for Friedman's triumphalism or whatever the fuck that word is. Mm-hmm. Being fucking full of himself is yeah. what it fucking means. In the mid-1950s, a new generation of more effective psychiatric medications had started sidelining Friedman's efforts. Good. And every notion of psychosurgery increasingly carried a stigma. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I'm sure that it fucking did because it killed a lot of people. It was really bad, you guys. By 1950, the lobotomy had been outlawed by the Soviet Union. (laughs) 
Because of all fucking places. In Soviet Russia, it is better. <laughs> um, with Germany and Japan soon following suit. If that tells you fucking anything. Yep. Um, in U.S. today, the procedure as performed by Freeman is extinct, if not technically illegal. Good. However, some scholars note that Freeman's work paved the way for forms of neurosurgery still used in cases of severe psychiatry psychiatric illness, as well as procedures such as deep brain stimulation used to treat neurological conditions like Parkinson's. So he did something that wasn't great while he was alive. So uh, Walter Freeman died of cancer in 1972 at the age of 76, despite the dark associations that remain around this, the operation he pioneered, he believed himself a humanitarian pioneer until the very end. And that's Hate it. him. And that's it. All right. Are you ready for so, mine? So, like, honestly, what inspired this was the fact that, that that myth of him driving around in his fucking van. Yeah. Like a fucking ice cream man. <laughs> being like, lobotomies. <laughs> lobotomies for sale. <laughs> and apparently that wasn't fucking true. But yeah. Whatever. <laughs> Are you ready for mine? Because I've been waiting yes, to tell you this I'm all super week. Excited. Okay. So, um, I'll probably only do one because we're already thirty minutes in. Um, go ahead and do it all. Okay. It's fine. Okay. You do you, girl, and then we're gonna go sleep because I'm fucking tired. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, um, I was on my way to work the other day, and I was listening to one of my favorite radio stations, and the girl on there was talking about this case that I hadn't heard anything about. Okay. And I'm gonna. The game was Florida or Nah. <laughs> so oh <my> God. <laughs> it was. Did this happen in Florida or Sleeping did it not? Sleeping or dead. <laughs> <laughs> So you play that game with your grandparents. Yeah. <laughs> um, All right. I'm so happy. Let's do this. Okay. So this woman, um, this woman was married to this guy, and they would make coffee for each other. Okay. Every morning. Every time her husband made her coffee, did she, she get got, sick? She got really sleepy and like really sick. Poison. And, like, Poison. Uh-huh. So she was con- red flag. Yeah. So like she she just kept feeling that way and oh she God. she started being convinced like I think something is up with this coffee. Yep. And I can't figure it out. <gasps> coffee but not her husband. Uh yeah. Oh no. So she filed for divorce in May of 2019. Whoa. And um like, there had been some issues already, and she was just like, fuck it, like, I'm done. So, she files for divorce, and they're still living together. Um, so, in, so this month, or in July of 2019. Oh, my God, that's just last, last week. Yeah. She, I mean, as we're recording it, it's last week. Yeah. She um, put up hidden security cameras in the kitchen. Oh, my God. To see what the fuck was going on with the coffee, because he was still making her coffee. Oh my um, god, tell me everything. I'm so excited. She so bad. She caught him putting eight 
tablets of sleeping pills <gasps> into her coffee. Oh my god, that's so much. Yeah, it it was literally supposed to kill her. That's crazy. And so crazy. Yeah, so <laughs> she brought that up in divorce court. She was like, oh, look at what he's putting in my coffee. Way. Yeah. Oh my god. So... And I'm listening to the story, and I'm like, "What the fuck?" And uh, he was he was he was looking at 15 years in prison at the time they reported on this. Okay, 15 years. Tell me where you think it's from. 1995. No, like where? Where is it from? Oh, where? Yeah. Is it Florida or not? Oh. Florida. Nope. No? Oh my god, where? Michigan. What? Yep. Oh my god. So I heard the story and I was like, I'm still not surprised though. Yeah. I (laughs) I was like, holy shit, I have to know more. So I looked it up. What's the other armpit of America? Um, okay. Oh my God. So, now remember, he was looking at 15 years in jail. Yep. 15 fucking years. Yep. Listen to this article title. <sighs> Michigan well, man. Too. I don't want to listen to anything anymore. <laughs> Michigan man who poisoned ex-wife's coffee sentenced to 60 weekend days in jail. Oh my God. He was trying to kill her. Uh-huh. This is from this ABC is News by Karma Allen, which is ironic. Uh, so. <laughs> all right, Karma. Yeah. So a Michigan man was sentenced to 60 weekend weekend days in jail for poisoning his ex-wife's coffee on Thursday. Outraging prosecutors who called for a harsher penalty. Oh, my God. Brian, oh my Koz- God. Brian Kozlowski. 46 of Malcolm County, Michigan, routinely placed sleeping pills in his wife's coffee throughout July 2018 Why? after she filed for divorce. Why? What's your fucking defense? Um, it can't be, oh, my wife's crazy, because it's like there. Nope. Uh, he pleaded no contest to charges of poisoning a drink in June. His now ex-wife, Therese Kozlowski, said she found out about the poisoning after she began to feel to feel sick. She believes he did it in an effort to kill her. Eventually, she had cameras in the kitchen that caught her then-husband placing the pills in her coffee on multiple occasions. Oh he put eight sleeping pills into that coffee pot every single day for weeks. Oh my God, an adult so dosage, yeah. An adult dosage, according to the packaging, is one. I was being hunted by a dangerous predator, but in this nightmare, the predator was Brian, she told the court That's Thursday. So fucked up. I believe this was attempted murder. Once Brian realized he lost me and there was no getting me to stay in this unhealthy marriage, his goal was to eliminate me. Oh, my God. Fucking stalkers, you guys. Yep. Uh, Prosecutors called the 60-day sentence a slap in the face and said they're planning to appeal the decision. Yeah. You you shouldn't be able to commit a 15-year felony by poisoning someone and only have to serve weekends. Nope. Uh, It is unbelievable. And that was the story that I heard this week. And I was like, holy fuck, I'm telling Carrie. That's so crazy. Yeah. I can't. <sighs> I'm so tired. Yeah. I've, I've got a couple of short, funny ones and then we'll be done. Okay. So, <laughs> Texas woman sues for one 
million dollars. Nice. After walking into window at grocery store. Walking into the window? Oh my god, I'm so excited. Woman I'm thought window. Quick <laughs> yeah. Woman thought. <laughs> women thought window was an open doorway. Lawsuit says. Oh my gosh. <laughs> this is from uh, ABC 12 uh, by Adrienne Garcia. Uh, and she was at a Kroger. Uh, a, te- a Texas woman is suing for up to $1 million after she walked into a window that appeared to her as an open doorway at a well-known grocery store, according to a lawsuit. They don't say it in here, but they have a picture. Of course. <laughs> KSAT.com's sister location reported that the woman is suing Lagrone Services, a Houston-based construction company that built the Kroger marketplace where the incident happened. In the lawsuit, the woman said she went to the Kroger on April 17th. As she was leaving, the woman walked toward what appeared to be an open doorway, but instead of a doorway, she walked directly into a clear floor-to-ceiling window. It's so funny. <laughs> the woman claimed she's... Doorway, it claimed to be a doorway, but this lady used chalk on it, so maybe it's not a doorway. <laughs> they drew it with chalk. Yep. What's happening? <laughs> the woman claimed she sustained serious injuries. What? Yeah. All right. All right. And last one. Okay. Naked man <laughs> offers a pleasant good morning, then steals and crashes truck. And this no, this wasn't in Florida. Absolutely a seduction technique that my husband has used on me. Uh, I walked in the last time he was super fucking shit-faced. I walked into the bedroom. He was stripped completely fucking naked. And he was laying on top of the covers, and he looked at me and he said, you just gotta do what you gotta do. <laughs> and it worked. <laughs> and it worked. Uh, so this is my this is my Chris Chin okay. from Autoblog.com. Uh, so usually for a story like this, we have Florida man to blame, but today we have a 30-year-old Missouri man who faces charges after he allegedly stole a neighbor's truck, drove it down the highway in the wrong direction, and crashed it in someone's yard, all while buck naked. Oh my God, I love it. <laughs> Yes. The Riverfront Times of St. Louis stumbled upon a Twitter post from the Rock Community Fire District outlining the incident, which occurred on the morning of July 24th. The man allegedly stole a neighbor's truck from a driveway at the Southwoods Mobile Home Park in Imperial, Missouri, before crashing it on Highway 6167, just a half mile away. And this truck is fucked. Oh my god. It is completely totaled. Um, (laughs) the Jefferson County Sheriff's Office said the suspect was visiting a friend at the mobile home park before the incident. Witnesses say that they first thought the man was shirtless, but as he roamed through the park, they noticed his lack of pants. Oh my God! (laughs) The truck, a well-cared-for 1988 Chevrolet Silverado, belonged to a resident at the mobile home park who left it running to retrieve a forgotten cell phone. Nice. (laughs) <laughs> she sees a gentleman walking up the street. Gerald McCauley, a friend of the truck's owner, told St. Louis local news. I love that she picked the worst fucking day. I know, to, like, right? Assert herself or whatever. <laughs> oh my god! Uh, she sees his head, and then she sees he's not wearing a shirt, and then sees he's not wearing anything. And he said good morning to her, and just kept walking. So it's deputies. Fan 
<laughs> yes. Deputies say he climbed into the truck, then drove down the highway in the wrong direction, clipping two vehicles before leaving the road and crashing on the lawn of Ron Thompson. I heard the boom, Thompson said. I looked out the window, and that's when I saw the car bursting through the woods. I looked down, and it was actually on fire, and the guy was laying there with no gloves on. No one in the vehicles he clipped was injured, and the naked man survived being ejected in the crash. He was treated for minor injuries at a hospital and released as authorities were still trying to figure out what charges oh to bring. Oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, I can't. Ugh, <laughs> oh, shit, I'm about to fall So how'd you like that? I loved it. Good. I loved it so much. I wish that my brain was more awake. Because I'm just sitting here shaking like a big fucking weirdo. <laughs> well, that's the end of my segment. Oh, well, you so. did such a good job. Um, thank you. You're so scary. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for listening. Happy Friday. You're amazing. And remember, you are not a monster. Let's go to bed. Yeah. Thank you for listening to Talk Cricket. Music is by Gisla Niebach. Check out our website, talkcricket.wixsite.com slash podcast for sources and visual aids, as well as resources to get involved. To keep up with our nonsense and stay up to date on all things cricket, you can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Tumblr, and Facebook at Talk Cricket. To keep the shots coming, access ex- exclusive bonus content, get a free poster, and a shout out on air, head on over to our Patreon. All links can be found on our website. You can listen to us basically anywhere you get your podcast. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. If you have interesting stories relating to our content, please send them to talkcrooked at gmail.com for a chance to be featured on the show. For business inquiries or sponsorships, please email us at carryandkbusiness at gmail.com. See you next time. <laughs>